When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Glass Cannon Network, the premier source for role-playing game entertainment. Welcome to Cannon Fodder, a behind-the-scenes look at the Glass Cannon Network. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to Cannon Fodder. It is Wednesday, September 20th, 2023, and I'm your old pal, Joe O'Brien. Look at you, you son of a gun. I'm <laughs> Troy back in the New York Groove La Valley. Back in the New I'm York back. Groove. We are back, back baby. I mean, topping the headlines this week, the return of the GCP. Lots to discuss on the show, but uh, I, I guess one of the main things to discuss is how our beautiful faces have returned. Look at to these. the screen for the for the fod. Look at these handsome devils. I mean, this is the fodder that people miss. Like this you don't is listen fo- for the news or the no. talking about you know stats and rules. It's to see these faces. If there's one thing I know about our audience, it's that they don't prefer to consume their content in audio only <laughs> format. They are a video first group. Uh, <laughs> they are a video first group, and we are here to give you what you've been asking for: more <laughs> Joe O'Brien face in in my in my YouTube. Uh, welcome back, everybody. We are here on YouTube for those that are listening and don't know the new FOD that is accompanying Campaign Two has a video component. We always did this, uh, except previously Troy just never looked quite as pretty. He would he would show up uh, real bedraggled. Do I look pretty now? I uh, I guess uh, I'm wearing glasses. I look distinguished, maybe. And I didn't shave. I want a little uh, little silver in the beard today. Bedraggled is a good word. Does it is mean it a real word? I, is that a real word? I think I it is. Know. I don't know if it is. Where's that, the woodman when you Oh, you, you know what it is? I think you're trying to say bedraggled. Bedraggled? Bedraggled. Bedraggled. You're right. You're right. Not I am bedraggled. Bedraggled. <laughs> bedraggled is probably how they pronounced it the day they invented it. And then someone said, no, no, no. That sounds like a dummy said it. <laughs> it's bedraggled. <laughs> bedraggled. Bedraggled. Someone bedraggled. drunk definitely invented I like that word. Bedraggled? I think bedraggled. <laughs> I could be wrong, but uh, let me see. <laughs> well, it's I mean, the definition, yes. <laughs> right, is dirty and disheveled, but it sort of implies, and this is how I've always heard it in my life, obviously, by my pronunciation. It implies, like, you just got out of bed and this is what you look like. You know what I mean? <laughs> bedraggled. You haven't uh, you haven't even run a hand through your hair yet. Like You're all bedraggled. That's fine. <laughs> Well, you learn something new every day. Uh, maybe I'm the only one that learned something there. Welcome back, everybody. We got a, a tight ship today on news. There really isn't too much mm. new because the, the news of the week was really last week, the release of uh, Glass Cannon Podcast Campaign 2. We're excited to dive back in uh, and really spend most of this fight just talking about that, talking ah. about the show, the episode, and you know this exciting story that we have laid out in front of us. Um, we're not going to, you know, there is no We Are Stupid this week. Professor Erica kindly uh, 
listened to our two and a half hours of role play <laughs> and and wrote in and said, no notes. Uh, apparently, we have figured out how to do recall knowledge. So uh, that's yes. good. And then yes. but you know what? We will have a little listener mail. So hang in there. Little listener mail, a uh, little listener mail at the end. But to take it from the top. News, we start? news uh, around the GCN. The biggest news that I can talk about is the new subscription service. We've been talking about this for a couple weeks now. It is in a beta. There are now hundreds, uh, hundreds and hundreds of folks have mm-hmm. now tested moving over from Patreon to uh, our the Glass Cannon Network subscription service. And it's getting better and better, wouldn't you say? Like in terms of uh, little tiny bugs are just uh, not really happening as much as they were in the first run. Yeah, we brought over another uh, few hundred people on uh, Monday this week because uh, we had brought in a few hundred last week. Let's bring in a few hundred more. And uh, after last time, we there was a bunch of little tiny, like nitpicky, oftentimes very cosmetic things or you know UI things that we could improve. And so they worked uh, tirelessly to fix those, and it was smooth sailing when these uh, these other few hundred came in a couple days ago. So I think we're we're getting pretty close. I, I feel like the next one is going to be if not everybody like maybe a thousand like really get a big chunk um, but i'd say certainly by the end of the month i'd be shocked if we weren't ready to roll this out uh, to everybody and start the full migration uh, from patreon to the new service and for those that didn't listen to fodder the last couple of weeks we're talking about a, uh, a service that we are now offering in replacement of Patreon, which is going to be a much improved user experience for how you consume the exclusive content. It is a service that is going to allow you to separate out all of your individual feeds of the shows you want to listen to that are behind the paywall in the ma- in the method that you want to listen to them. So no matter what your podcast um, preference is in terms of platform or app, it, it will cover all of those and each individual show will have its individual feed. And I'm not just talking about Legacy of the Ancients, Blood of the Wild. Get in the trunk. I mean, we're also talking old school. There's now a disorganized play feed and and an old archived stuff feed. Uh, so there should be a lot of fun uh, things for you guys to check out there. And in the coming weeks, everyone will have access to this. So we're just working yeah. toward that. And, and once it's, it's fully rolled out, we'll, we'll go over uh, probably here on fodder the changes because there are some changes. This people can be like, Hey, where's this? And it's like, well, it exists here. We didn't want to double it up or triple it up or like, how come I, this has changed and this because there are some changes. Uh, but we think they've all been for the better. It's just a cleaner, uh, better user experience. And, uh, it's, I think it's going to help us streamline what we do and, uh, hopefully, uh, grow our subscription service, which, uh, was, you know, kind of, kind of stagnant there over there patreon for a while i mean I think we've seen growth this past year more so than last year for the subscription service but i think that uh, in many ways patreon uh the the what its offerings was holding us back and now nothing is now nothing will hold us back nothing's gonna stop me now from the future so yeah that's it that's the update there there are some of you may have invites i got this note from mcd right before we went live he said hey if you're on fodder just let people know there are some people that have been invited to the beta and haven't responded yet so just check your email especially your patreon email because you may have an invite from mcd in there to come and try out this service uh to to make the leap over so check that out and and get in there as soon as you can because uh 
uh, yeah, we want to get people over there as quickly as possible, especially you folks who signed up for the beta because we know you're going to be responsive about problems and that's going to help us fix this faster. Yeah. And just the last note is like you can do your sleuthing and find the new subscription service online. But if you're a current Patreon user and you want to grandfather in your uh, plans, you need to wait until we post the link. So if you try to get in on your own now, you're welcome to it, but you're going to have to you're not going to get the grandfathered in prices and the the options that you're going to get if you just wait until we roll it out to everybody. Good note. Good note. All right. Let's get down to the business of Show? That's kind of podcast campaign two episode the of show? one. Where's the tavern? Uh, <laughs> don't we all start our campaigns in a tavern? And uh, this one is well, actually it is an exception. Uh, we talked last week about introductions. We talked yeah. about how different APs have started over our long career, our decade or more of playing campaigns together. And while this one doesn't really have an inciting event that I would point to yet uh, specifically, it did begin with the introduction of several NPCs. Mm-hmm. Uh, a primary quest giver, a secondary quest giver, uh, some interesting starts that we haven't really had yet. And yeah, I guess I'm just uh, the first question I have out of the gate is when you first read this, when you first sat down, you read the first few pages of uh, Gatewalkers. What were your initial prep plans or your process to turn this opening into the kind of scenes we saw in the campaign and, and, uh, and how it was engaging? How did you uh, work up to that? Yeah, I, I, I kind of knew early on that I wanted to go the way that we started with Androids and Aliens because I really liked um, how that campaign, how, how we started that campaign because we didn't even get into the campaign proper until episode two. Um, and so I knew I wanted to see a, a little bit of the background of these characters and, and that's what I wanted the opening to be. But the difference is I knew it was going to be a longer episode. So we were going to get some of that and then we were going to get some of the AP as well. So I was able to balance it with that. And one of the reasons I really wanted to do that is I didn't think the, the opening of the AP was super strong as written for a podcast. I think it's 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 a little uh, you know it's a little mysteryish and the mystery is rolling out slowly and I thought let's start with a little more action let's get into uh some some moments of these characters for some of them it's going to be their gate moments for others it's just going to give us a little window into their lives and look back at androids and aliens when you think about those scenes that happened uh in episode 1 those had reverberations that were uh, that didn't reach. They were in the finale. Yeah. They were in the finale. Now I don't know if that's going to happen here, but to me, I was like that. We were definitely onto something there. I wanted to do that again, and I just think it's a great way for you guys to think about your characters rather than just writing their history out or just doing the stats. And we, I think we may have talked about this a little bit on the show. It's like get into their skin a little bit. What to, give me a moment of their life, whether it's like their gate moment or just something uh, that's left an indelible mark on them that's made them who they are. And so I loved uh, starting that way because now we're ready to start the adventure. And when they come up over the crest of that hill with Dr. Riddleson, we already know a little bit about them. And that Mm -hmm. to me was other than just like, describe yourself. Well, no, now it's just so much richer, the the tapestry that we've started to build. Certainly. It gives me a lot more interest and engagement in buggles, let's say, because if we didn't do that, 
up coming over the hill, you have, oh, there's a cute goblin. But yeah. if you pay attention to the background story, you realize it's Neo. He's like the chosen one, which is, is very, very cool. Like, and, and to be able to write yourself that kind of story is, is just so fun. And obviously, Skid did a fantastic job. Uh, I mentioned it on air. You, you did a great old goblin impression. Uh, and it was just, yeah, those intros were really, really fun. But as we got out of those, uh, and by the way, I should say, like, these are all kind of, uh, those scenes, I don't want to delve too much into those, uh, because I mean, as a player, I could just love, I would love to just start picking those apart for clues and secrets and hints of everybody's past and what's going to happen. Uh, you know, maybe if, uh, we have a quieter episode, we could do that on here. But overall, those are all scenes that are written by the players to introduce mystery into their characters' backstories. These are all things we're supposed to see as other players to maybe spark questions, but not answer them. You know, that's sort of the goal that we set out for. And I think that I'm, I'm, I have so many questions about everybody's uh, scene that I thought that that was, that was a successful part, but sorry, go ahead. Yeah. That was like the one note that I gave It's like, if you can start building secrets here that we don't, uh, you know, know the answer for, for a while, that's going to be really interesting. And also like you, you write something, you send it to me, and then I'm going to adapt it based on knowledge that I have that you don't have. So there might be little changes in there that you guys may not even have picked up on that are just little nods to the journey that's coming up that's going to make things more significant, like dropping a, a pebble in a, uh, you know, a water, uh, like a little pond and seeing it go out like this. There's a little yes. pebble, pebble drops here and there um, that I think will be fun. Pay attention to the pebble drops, people. Pay attention. Look After we come out of these scenes, you get into... What I will generously say I struggle with, but which I think <laughs> um, a lot of people would say I'm just annoying about, which is Seven Arches and the region surrounding it. How much time do you think is necessary to spend in session on world slash setting introduction for your players slash the audience? At the start of a campaign like this, you know, I mean, how much do you think you need to be talking at the beginning of a campaign of this nature? Yeah, it's tricky because I knew I was going to be talking throughout the the introductions. And it's like, let me just let me talk for another half hour here because there's a lot of exposition. And also, I, I want to set the scene for you. And I think that happens a lot. I mean, I think back to your uh, uh, Curse of the Crimson Throne campaign that died after four uh, sessions. Uh, the first uh, session was just you giving a history lesson lesson on Corvosa or yes. whatever it was on Cheliax or episode zero. Yeah. Session um, zero. And, uh, you know, I, I, for this, it felt important to me because seven arches is where we set our scene to begin with. And sewing, knowing a little bit about what you're going into is super important because this is the lead of, of Riddleson's. He's giving you the, the Glengarry leads, you know, this is yeah. his big one. He's like, let me tell you why this is important. And you can't have them and you can't <laughs> i want i want to see the other group that he did that to they're like can we go to seven Arches? come on let us go to seven arches and we'll have, we'll have this thing wrapped up for you these are the seven arches leads and you and you can't, can't have, have them <laughs> <laughs> uh third prize is you're fired i uh yeah i was torn because i knew it was going to be a lot of me talking but i felt I just felt, I felt really comfortable with the material and I thought that I could get it out there in an interesting way that wasn't just like, let me give you a little history. It was like, let's get into Riddleson's voice and now you can start interacting with Riddleson because there's a bit of a narrative and then it's like, let's have the narrative come out in some, in some natural role play. You're a heavy pr preparer. Mm -hmm. You do a lot of writing. You, your prep for an AP is actually longer than the AP itself. 
yeah. uh, when you write out the, the Word document for it. You said you wanted to start getting away from that uh, and, and lighter prepping a little bit. For this setting, for Seven Arches, the introduction of Riddleson, the introduction of uh, – I already forget her name. Who's the uh, the other woman? Fianara Carolistri. Fianara. For these characters – how much pre-written material did you rewrite out to describe the setting and to introduce these people versus just reading it so much that you knew it and you let it come out in dialogue? Uh, I mean, I have a lot of it written out. It's just how much am I following what I write? Um, I see this a lot in live shows. Like I'll have stuff written out and then I'm reading it a little bit verbatim and then I'll watch it back and be like, ah, I just, I needed to be looser there. Now the audience is going to notice this, but it's something I'm like, ah, because look, I was looser here. I didn't follow what I wrote to the letter and it just felt more natural. Um, whereas here I was a little strict. So I'm, I'm trying to find that balance. But for this, especially for an opening, it's heavily, uh, scripted. It's just a matter of how much am I actually looking down? How much am I, uh, be bopping and scatting? And, uh, you know, little things like the, the, the elf Felwyn, you know, that was just all made up on the spot. So like there's, there's room for, uh, and why I, I want to leave because the players well. were asking, they were like, well, is there a, someone that's been there? Is that, is that sort of what generated that? Yeah. Improv? Yeah. Cause, cause she says like, oh, people have gone and, and, uh, reported no problems. And I'm I think sure we said who? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of adventure groups that are like, oh, okay, all right, well, sounds good, let's go. But you guys are like, well, who? And she's like, I could have been like, ah, I, I don't know, I just, it's just something I heard. Um, but I think I was even more specific as you guys called me on. You were like, someone in the caravan stories, we would like to meet this person. I'm like, oh, I guess we're meeting this person. Okay, and uh, you know, it leads us directly into where episode two is going. Right, and that and that's the thing is like, not only does it lead us into where episode two is going, but for my money, like that's the better interaction. It's so much oh, yeah. more interesting. It's so much funnier and none of it is pre-written or pre-prepared. It just goes to show you how much fun it is to improv and and, um, this, this stuff, even important NPCs early on. You know, just kind of have fun with it and don't overthink it. And it might even be more polished and more fun that way. And if you don't feel comfortable improving because you don't know where it's going to go, because that's scary, right? Like you get into this conversation and then people start getting wedded to this NPC you just wrote up. And like now you're like, chief, do I have to make this person be super important to the rest of the plot? You can just be like, so you end up going to the caravanserai and you speak to the elf. And it seems like, uh, yeah, they were totally fine. She gives you a totally plausible story about how her and her friends went there. And you could leave it at that. But for us, you know, it's like, well, that's not the game we play. Yeah, let's see where this goes. And I mean, that it was at that moment in the show. I was like, yeah, this is this. we're, We're heading in the right direction. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens. And that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com The campaign clearly features a concept that is in some APs, is not in others. Um, 
Generally speaking, I would like to say that it is not addressed in any PFS scenarios. It's sort of like left open. It's that concept that the party already knew each other, likely for some time before the events of the AP begin. How do you feel about that generally as a GM, as a player? Do you like campaigns that start with that conceit or do you prefer campaigns that literally you meet in the tavern or whatever place it is and you've never seen or spoken to each other before the first moments of the campaign? I mean, I I certainly like both. I think that for us, this is probably the first time we've done this on on the network, right? Like most people are kind of meeting on their way, even like Ruins of Aslan, you're meeting on the boat. So you're spending time together before you You know, there was in Giant Slayer, if you think about it, there was some implied like, you know, Lork knew Gormley. I mean, they lived in the town together when they were younger and stuff like that. But maybe, but they had been separated for many years. Uh, Galabras was new to town. Baron was new to town. Yeah. So yeah, I guess not so much in Giant Slayer. And, and certainly the AP didn't assume it at all. You yeah. could, you could make anything. This presumes you are already part of an investigative society, right? Now, how much time have you spent together in the last three months or two months or one month since you went made your way to Leberstadt? That's unclear, but you know, you're certainly, we've got all the, that stuff out of the way. One of the most difficult things is introducing a new character. You know, when a character dies, it's really tricky to bring a new character in. We always joke, uh, off stage and in past episodes, like, Oh, I guess this is going to be an introducing a new character episode. And it's going to be a lot of that. Like, Oh, do you want to come join us for the next three years? Uh, stranger. <laughs> want to come with us on our murder quest <laughs> on our murder quest. and they're like yeah yeah i'll stick around and of course they're there until the you know the next character dies but uh, so that can be a little tricky i kind of like that we got all of those oh and what's your name again out of the way yeah uh, you know because otherwise you, you have to do that and sometimes that can be fun but i thought for for this it was it was neat to do something different i agree with you but i do think i find it to be challenging as a player because i'm like well how do i get to know these people better if I'm already supposed to know these people, you know, like, I, I, because I'm a classic overthinker, like, I'll, I'll be like, oh, I should ask Zephyr, uh, where she's from. But then I'll be like, wouldn't I know that after two months of being, in this, you know, maybe what I mean? not. but like, maybe not. May, maybe not, right? Like, it, that's, that's where the overthinking, it comes in. It's like, yeah, maybe you just never talked that much. But I do think that those introductory conversations are a nice way to begin a campaign together. So, I do hope that we find some time to, to do that, you know, rather than just be like, oh, we already know each other. Mission, 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 mission. That, to me, is not my favorite way to play. I like to loosen up and get to know the characters a little bit better in role play between the party. Oh, yeah. I would say at most you've done – you've got all the surface stuff out of the way. Oh, what's your name again? Oh, right. I'm sorry. What did you say your name was? But like now, once you get to your first like in or or – spending night out under the stars together that's we're going to really start to get to know each other and see what the characters are interested in 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 finding out about each other Um, spoilers troy so you're telling me we're sleeping outside and there might be some stars (laughs) there might be some stars (laughs) might be a starry night in your future (laughs) in lieu of we are stupid let me just do a quick uh mechanics question this one was obviously very very light on mechanics i just want to check in with you in general pf2e in general on uh, a concept that I feel like you've kind of changed your opinion on uh, over time and maybe swung a little bit back and forth like a pendulum. How are you feeling right now about the concept of secret checks? I feel like you're using them a little bit more than you used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, initially, I wasn't a fan of it when we were doing the Pathfinder playtest years ago. Um, and, and Echo I don't think Quest 2, you were like, yeah, not yeah. into it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, and over time, I don't I don't really use them that much in strange aeons. Uh, no, rarely if yeah, ever. But coming out of the gate here, you know, we're spending a lot more time with the uh, with the with the book and and really wanting to do ju- do justice uh, to the system. I was like, this is a good opportunity to really see if there's a way that we can do these. But honestly, the reason that I'm using them is uh, twofold. One, uh, for flow of the show, for what we do. Like, uh, you know, when I, when I was giving you guys information on Seven Archers, I pre-rolled those in my prep because I have all your sheets. I know what your recall knowledges are. So I know if you failed – uh, succeeded or critically succeeded or critically failed. So rather than have you roll and know you critically failed and I give you false information, I'd just be like, oh, and you you think this. And, and, and I'm like, well, that's information that's different from that person. Who got the truth? You don't know. Uh, so that's kind of fun. Um, it's for streamlining for the show, but also I think it's really important, especially where we can see each other's faces on the video, uh, to be like, oh, okay, you want to do a, uh, a deception roll there? Okay, well, I'll take care of that. Yeah, you know that. I think that happened on the show, right? And the guy just looks at you, and smiles, waves you through. Like, what was that? Did he? Did he know? Does he know? Does he know I'm an elf? Uh, yeah. And so that that when you get to see that look on Kate's face, you're like, well, I didn't like that. Actually, I think you react like oh, that. That didn't sound good. Uh, it can be fun for that, but other times it's just like, yeah, roll it. And it's not that it's a less important role. It's just like sometimes it's fun. To just just roll it. I, I, it's okay if you know, and then you can play the fiction or not if you want to. Yeah, it's it's all very like. I also like the poker esque element of sometimes you do roll it, and sometimes uh, you say meaning you the player, and sometimes I roll at the GM. You know, and and not having a consistent reason for why that is. So like, if the recall knowledge check. Uh, is not going to net any important information or if the deception isn't really that important, you say you roll it to the player every time, they'll, they'll start to sniff that out. But if there are like pivotal roles and you're like, you know what? I think that you're going to fail this one. So I want you to roll it or whatever. Uh, it just heightens the fun and intensity. And then other times, you know, to have it just be behind the screen and you, d- you really don't know. The pre-rolling thing is genius. I love this idea. I hadn't thought about this before because my largest struggle when I was running 2E with recall knowledge secret roles was rolling a fumble behind the screen because <laughs> I was just not sharp enough to come up with real seeming incorrect information fast enough. But if you know you're getting into a situation where there's going to be some recall knowledge is coming up, I think it's a great idea to, to pre-roll. And if you see a pre-roll fumble, it gives you more time to prepare a really honest and strong seeming incorrect piece of information yeah so i've got the information and i'll have it listed like brother ramius you know this buggles you know this and it's already based on what you roll i'll take it a step further what i've started to do with uh well you're writing all this out yeah i'm writing it all out so i i know who knows what and i can tell you now uh what i've also started to do is with uh traps um, or hazards. Oftentimes, hazards have a minimum proficiency for perception based mm-hmm. on the stealth DC of the hazard. So I'll look through if it's like a master thing. If, if you, if only two of you have master perception, I'll write down, I'll, I'll pre-roll your perception checks against the stealth DC of the hazard for the two people that happen to be masters in perception. But I won't reveal that to you unless you actively say that you're searching for a trap because that's the way it works. If something has a minimum proficiency, 
you don't reveal that and someone says, I just want to check this area out to see if it's trapped or I want to do perception. I'll be like, okay, I'll take care of that and be like, actually, Brother Ramius, you notice that something looks off with that, blah, blah, blah. So I've pre-rolled that as well. Now, I can't do this well into the adventure because your stats are eventually going to change, but I have a good uh, sense on where we're at and I can do it pre-session. Like, oh, they might get to this hazard today. Getting that stuff out of the way, it just makes the game flow easier and also makes the editing a lot easier. I just finished the uh, audio edit for episode two a couple days ago. It's five cuts in the entire session. Five wow. cuts. And I think it flows like uh, maple syrup. So uh, so they're all know, Matthew, aren't they? They're, they're all Matthew. Just jokes that weren't up to par. A little racy <laughs> or, for or my Or a taste. little too racy. Yeah. A little too racy. Uh, Matthew was always pushing that line with his humor. It's always Capitacasa humor. Uh, but I'm always thinking in service of like the best show experience, but it, it kind of is doubling as a, a nice little keep you guys off guard. Keeping the players off guard is just always good. I like this idea. It's the first thing you've said as a GM that I've liked in a very long time. Uh, yeah. I mean, you juicy. used to do that shit all the time where you'd like roll. I mean, this is like one of your moves. Like you'd roll and it's a nothing roll. But you're like, what are you rolling back there? You know, it's the same thing. It's like keeping the players off kilter. It can backfire because then sometimes they're like, let's check every step we take for the next, you know, you, you got to find a balance. Right, but. right, right. Yeah, exactly. You hear a rustling in the bush, secret perception roll. You think that there's a real danger in there or whatever all right everybody let's cast all of our buffing spells yeah. let's blah 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 because they rolled a natural one behind the screen i mean it's funny but it can also be very demoralizing like everybody can find out that it was just a lie and certain players might not be like oh damn god i just i didn't know but others might be like this really sucked you know and so it's, <laughs> it's it is a it is a fine line let me ask before we get to listener mail just an yeah. overarching question of the entire experience, top to bottom, the show itself, the edit, working the edit with Francis, uh, uh, finalizing every little piece of uh, of content that went into uh, the compilation of the premiere, and then the premiere itself, showing it off to the nation. How did it go? How how was it for you? It the was last week and it a was, half. It was very stressful. <laughs> it was a lot of work. It was just a lot of work. And uh, it would be fine if this was all the work that we had to do, but there's just a, a lot going on and, and launching a brand new subscription service in the middle of it is is a lot as well. But we have a good we have a great team now. You know, we're we're getting a lot better at uh, you know, keeping people in their lanes so that we don't have to micromanage too much, which is, uh, you know, always been a problem of mine. But uh, it was a lot of work. And then by the time it premiered, obviously, we had the the issues with the um, with the frame rate or whatever the uh, for the premiere part. But then now we've got 50,000 plus people that have watched it the way it was intended. So yeah, I got over that pretty quickly. It was just it was like an emotional experience. But I always think about um you know, for all our sports fans out there, there's that classic Bill Belichick quote when uh, the Patriots got like shelled by some team and he kept, they kept asking him questions and he was just like, we're on to Cincinnati. And they'd be like, okay, but listen, you, uh, you seem like you really struggled in the first half, just like getting first downs. And, and like, was this a problem of the, uh, the quarterback or was it the, uh, the offensive coordinator? We're on to Cincinnati. Like, no matter what question he asked, he was just like, we're on to the Bengals. So at a certain point, like, once it was out there and, and, and the, the, the comments and the, and the love and, you know, I'm sure some, some hate as well started coming through. I was like, I'm on to episode two. Like, I, I have to just, it's, it's out there. I've done my work. Part of me didn't even want to watch it other than to, you know, kind of check it. Like, How do people like it? But it seems like, uh, 
Seems like we had a home run, buddy. <laughs> yeah, people seem to really like it. I've gotten <laughs> wonderful text messages from so many people, friends and family, uh, including some people that I'm really surprised listened to or watched the premiere. Uh, people that maybe had not uh, been interested in any of our content since the end of GCP, uh, <laughs> since the end of Giant Slayer, who came up out of nowhere, who I haven't spoken to in months and months and months. And I would just get, I just got a few texts, you know, and, uh, premiere was great oh, oh man it's so excited to be back like it was really cool feeling so yeah i think people really liked it and i have that same feeling i had when we started giant slayer you know what i mean it's like people are really liking it and that's an exciting thing for people to say about your game yeah i mean it just so much work went into this by so many people and like as much as this really really does feel like a re- i don't want to say return to form it's not like we lost our mojo but it, it feels like it's a also very different <laughs> It's just, you know, in many ways, it it feels like the old days, but so much has changed. It's taking, it's like distilled the essence of what was so great when we started before it. This was a network, and it's extrapolated upon all of those things in such a in such a wonderful way that um, I just think we're 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 creating we're recreating so much while we're also creating so so much at the same time, and so it's exciting to watch people get it like people understand and there's plenty of people that don't understand that's fine but like the the ones that are like oh my god i love this i don't even know why like that's there's a lot of work that went into creating that feeling and the fact that people are texting you who haven't watched in so long like further uh cements my feeling that like everything's going according to plan because we're not we're not competing with our competitors who are making a different product than us. We are making a different actual play experience. And I, I think we are attracting, attracting the audience that we want, which is wonderful. That is wonderful. Uh, okay, Nick, sing us in, buddy. A uh, little listener mail. God, it's back. It's back, baby! <laughs> it's listener mail. Every once in a while, it just reminds me, like, I'm just reminded how wildly inappropriate that is. I mean, that's us. Welcome to the Glass Cannon Network. Um, <laughs> listener mail. For those of you that are interested in having your questions answered about the episodes themselves or about GMing in general, playing in general, or just shit about life. Please write us at contact at glasscannonnetwork.com with the subject line listener mail. Write your question in there and hopefully we'll feature it on the show. Uh, we've got one today from Drew. Drew. Our old buddy Drew. North um, Foundry Drew? Uh, we know so many Drews now. <laughs> uh, we don't know this Drew, but he does say, hey, good buddies. Uh, have you, Johns and Johnettes, <laughs> played tabletop RPGs with your spouse or significant other? <laughs> Hate to disappoint you with the follow-up, which is, were there any really hilarious or tense moments at the table because of your relationship? And did your gaming <laughs> sessions bleed over into real life? Thanks, Drew. Drew, man, we've been asked this question years ago on the FOD, and um, we let people know then. Don't ever ask. Our wives are furious at the question. At the, even, <laughs> at the, even the idea that they would stoop. To playing one minute of a role playing game. Is your wife still feeling this way? No interest? Or is she I mean, coming around? I've never asked her. I, uh, <gasps> yeah, I've never really asked rude. her. I, yeah, I mean, I play with my kids now. Um, you know, right dash, in front of her. Right in front of her. And don't like, invite her? I just 
she's not she hasn't listened to a second of the glass cannon you know neither is your wife right like they don't don't listen to this shit um you know it's just not her her cup of tea i think when the kids are probably a little bit older and like all three of them are uh pathfinder ready or call of cthulhu ready i can imagine like on a friday night be like i know you want to uh you want to roll up a little john's this cleric and she'd be like, no, I'd, I'd, I'd rather do anything else. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> it's just not, that's not her bag. But honestly, dude, I have no interest in playing anymore. <laughs> you know, like I'll play with my kids. Uh, but like, I think that if, if my wife was down, maybe I would play, but I was, I was, I was taking Archer to school this morning and I was thinking about, I was like, dude, a couple more years, man, we'll be rolling you up a barbarian. And then I think like, man. I don't want to fucking play this outside of work. <laughs> it's like we play so much. It's so much work. Uh, but I do look forward to doing it with the kids. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, no. My wife is – she's not interested uh, in any aspect really of um, of role-playing. She does like board games. She just does not want the role-play to enter into it. She likes to do – she likes the tactics. She likes the uh, strategies. And whenever Matthew or I, I always tell this old story about Matthew and his wife – and my and my wife and I playing uh, the pandemic legacy game, and Matthew and I in character being like, "You gotta meet me in Jakarta. <laughs> the city's falling apart." And he's like, "I can't get out of Paris. I'm, I'm trying to find a flight." And him, my wife, and his wife would be like, "If you don't stop, we are going to quit playing this game. Like, <laughs> stop pretending you're really these people." Oh, we that's had, the best. God, I we had so much fun. We had playing so much games. fun. <laughs> I love never forget. Games. It must have been our first PAX East. We played that <clears throat> game. Was it called Firestorm or Fire? Do you know what I'm talking? I about? I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, uh, it's like a burning building. Yeah, it's a fireman. It's cooperative, a very simple, you know, cooperative it's a simple firefighting game. Uh, I can't. It's called like Firestorm or something. I'm thinking of Bone Storm from Simpsons. But <laughs> I mean, we were playing it, and we had just been partying all week. Flashpoint. We Flashpoint. And uh, there's like me, you, Skid, and a couple other people. And my God, we were cracking. We had it was like whole... a couple niche people. I think it was like a couple niche people, and me, <laughs> yeah. and you, and Skid. And we were just. I mean, I, I had concocted this story that like Skid's wife was left in Sister. the building. Sister was left in the building, but we we're gonna let her burn because she. Do you remember the story? Was, I don't remember the details of the was story. Like but cheating I re- on her husband. <laughs> I remember Skid just, uh, he had me in tears laughing so hard. He's like, wow, like screaming in the house. And it's just this like little cardboard pond. Cardboard square. Oh, I love uh, doing He's that. like, I scream and bash through the next wall. Uh, God, it was just really, It's a really great funny. game. We haven't played that. I haven't played that since. It is a great game. I actually even own an expansion for that game that I've never opened. You would. So I would. Um Sadly. Thanks, Drew. But yeah, thank you, Drew, for writing in. Sorry, it's not very interesting. But uh, yeah, <laughs> some of us just don't play with our significant others. We keep it uh, We keep it to the workplace. Or at all outside of the sessions. <laughs> okay. Uh, one more uh, real quick from Joe in New England. Hi, uh, Joe, by the way, bring in excuse me, the hard-hitting questions. He should be journalist <laughs> Joe in New England. Uh, speaking of Bill Belichick. Uh, this guy would be uh, putting Belichick on the hot seat. Hi, Joe and Troy. Can you talk through the decision to include ads in the new show? <laughs> For me, the lack of mid-show ads helped separate the original GCP from the rest of the field of actual play podcasts. The uninterrupted experience I'm used to on the main feed felt damaged by the inclusion of mm. ads. I've heard a dozen times on other podcasts. Do you want to take this one? Do you want me to take this one? How do you want to start this? 
Um, I'll this is a big decision. This was a big one. Yeah, it's a, uh, a hot question to come right out of the gate on listener mail. Do I give the dirty capitalist answer, <laughs> the political answer? <laughs> um, you know, we were very fortunate when we started out with Giant Slayer that we uh, all had professions that allowed us to create a show that never missed a week for many, many years and to be able to do that continually without as a hobby as a hobby <laughs> and have that blow up and turn into something else was great and to try and keep that experience pure uh for as long as possible was always our goal and then we launched a, a another flagship show in androids and aliens um after the success of the patreon and you know it was like a hundred or so episodes into that we just felt like we were uh spinning our wheels and not getting the growth that we needed and we had people asking us constantly uh put can, can we can we sell ads on your shows this is the type of money you'll make and we didn't want to do it we don't want to do it and then we were like well we need to know like what is the your sort of uh ability to earn here like what are the what are the revenue possibilities because we could uh hire more staff and then not be killing ourselves so we could produce more content and killing could, our current staff and killing our current staff like everybody's working uh, like our current staff jobs. works unbelievable hours it's like can we try it so we did that with androids and aliens and it was really really successful so much so that when androids and aliens ended and we were like, we have no plans to put anything else on that feed. The ad company we were working with begged us. We were like, please put pissed. something on there. We've got all these people that want to do ads. And I mean, the revenue helped us bring on at least one, if not two more employees at the time. And so we were like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll do, we'll change it to glass cannon network presents and put a bunch of stuff on there. And, uh, and that was great as well. But then we just found that it was difficult to, to listen to the content and whatnot, blah, 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 blah. Flash forward to uh, a little over a year ago, we started talking with different people and, uh, they were, you know, basically letting us know that the potential that we had here uh, with a show that had um, the sort of reach that it does. And as we were, you know, sort of circling the wagons on what um, the second campaign would be, we just thought that this was an opportunity to to really see how how far we can take this. And so when we signed with the United Talent Agency and uh, one of the first things out of the gate was pairing us with um, someone that could uh, help take us to the next level. And so it, for us, it was just a, a, a necessary part of, uh, of taking, taking the glass cannon network to the next step. And, and like, you can call it the, you, there's a much different ways you can look at it. It's like there's growth, right? But for us, it's about taking care of the people that we have. We pay everyone that works for us uh, in, 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 you know, whether it be an artist, whether it be someone that does a guest spot. Very rarely do are we in a situation now where we don't just have someone, have someone come on and do stuff for free. If we do, everybody knows that that's what the deal is. Um, and, uh, that is not the norm in actual play. Uh, and I think we play pretty damn good competitive rates across the board and to be able to do that for the next 10 to 10, 20 years, we need to find <clears throat> multiple revenue sources because the subscription service is one way. Uh, our, our live tour is another way. Merch is another way. 
if you're telling me there's an opportunity to bring in uh, serious revenue by doing something like putting a couple ads on our podcast, um, I mean, in, in the end, it, it was a no-brainer. And it was also like um, the sort of um, thing that 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 got me really excited for doing campaign two is because I want to I want to make a, po- a podcast that uh, uh, is able to. Uh, I'm trying to word this the right way that is able to, you know, there are, there are, there are big podcasts out there that are doing amazing things because of the revenue that they earn from ads. And we're, I felt, feel in many times, I feel like we're held back by not doing that. So for me, that was the exciting thing. It's like, let's do this and uh, let's see if it, it could really help take us to the next level. Is that sort of a long way of explaining it? Yeah, I mean, certainly I think – I hope Joe in New England appreciates that you talked through the decision because you did in a very long-winded way, told the whole <laughs> story behind the decision. But yeah, I mean, in the end, the if we could keep uh, the Glass Cannon podcast completely ad-free and just have all this extra money laying around, like, yeah, of, of course, we would love to do that. And we – but, you know, we also – you have to realize how much the support that these advertisers, these people that you're like, ugh, I've heard them a million times on every other podcast. Like, I get that gut feeling. But also remember, those people, those advertisers are paying – uh, Kate to be on this show, you know, paying Sydney to be on this show. Like they, they help with paying all for of that pr- roaming camera. Yeah. The, the they're lights, paying the- for all the production costs that are into this show. And I can tell you from the behind the scenes sort of look, we went into this show with really big ideas of how it would look and sound and be portrayed. And it was way bigger of a production project than Giant Slayer was. It's not even comparable remotely in terms of cost and energy that goes into making what that premiere looked like make it look like that in order to increase all of those costs we went into debt you know we essentially put out all of this money because we felt like the project itself was going to be wonderful and it was going to pay back over time and to not monetize that expensive investment with ads would have financially sunk the company. You know what I mean? So the only other option is not do a video show, not be in a studio and not do anything that costs money. And if that's what you would rather have, rather than listening to some ads in the middle or skipping them, like (laughs) I, okay, but that's not the decision we went with. And I hope you kind of understand why we went that way. And I want to say one more thing. This is also kind of like, this is behind the scenes. We talk on this show about running a business and the things that are involved in running a business. When you sign with a talent agency, no matter how wonderful they are or appear to be, their objective is to make money. And <laughs> why would they do it otherwise? There's, there's no other reason. I mean, I believe – I truly believe that our agents love our art. I truly believe that they're, they know that they are gamers and they are geeks. And I believe that they truly want us to grow and to reach more people. In order to do that, they need to be able to make deals for us that are not ad deals, that are deals that are where our content will go well beyond just uh, YouTube or, or a podcast. In order to take those steps, though, you got to feed the monkey, right? It's like they need some way to make revenue off of what we're doing now. And the ads on that podcast is a it's a payment to get us into a Hollywood agency that has connections on in all different kinds of media that can help us grow 
our community and our brand in a way that we could not do without representation. And so it's just, that's another piece of the puzzle. Wouldn't you agree that that's like, you kind of said that, but I'm just like hammering home. They wouldn't do it if we weren't paying them with ads from the glass <laughs> cannon pocket. You know, we can't do a free show and not give them anything. So that's, that's a big part of that deal. Yeah. And I mean, I, I just, I, I've always had pie in the sky, uh, ideas for, for the network and, and where I want it to be. And like that, that can only happen with, with more capital. You know, I want to bring on more personalities. I want to have more staff so that everyone isn't constantly strung out and you cannot do that without money. So any opportunity would we have to monetize things? Uh, we have to, 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 you know, I want people, I know there's like this argument. It's like, why don't you, why, you, you didn't need any of this. You could have just kept making uh, a show in an apartment. Sure, but I have no interest in doing that. I have no interest in making just podcasts, which is why I'm not on Raiders and Blood of the Wild. I I want to. This is what interests me, and I want to take it further and further and further. And that that costs money. But uh, what I will say is, the new subscription service will give you the option uh, to have Campaign Two without ads. So if you if if the ads really bother you, you you will have that option once that service is rolled out to everybody. We already see people enjoying it now. Campaign Two ad free is available at one of the plans on mm-hmm. the new subscription service. And and you know I, I, there was there was talk to not even offer that. Um, but like we just think that that's something we would we would like to do because we know a lot of people have been with us for a long time. We think that's like that's the least that we can do uh, in many ways. Even though. It arguably kind of hurts the download numbers, um, which uh, earns revenue. We just we just think it's you know it's it's a small a it's small what, thing yeah, we it's, can do. it's what we want to try to do for you know the niche. Yeah, for for the niche. Uh, so thank you, Joe, for writing in. Uh, I did not read the rest of Joe's uh, email, which was very nice and very complimentary uh, about the premiere. We really appreciate it. Uh, Joe in New England is not a bad dude. In fact, Joe in New England, uh, it's a really important question, and I'm really glad that you asked because there's. No doubt that there are tons of people thinking the exact same thing. And I appreciate you bringing it up, giving us a chance to talk about it, because uh, that's what we love to do here on the FOD. So if you've got a question you want to write into us uh, to have us answer about uh, the game, uh, about campaign two, GMing in general, playing in general, or even just the, the business of the network, contact at glasscannonnetwork.com. Make sure you put listener mail on the subject line that's going to do it for this week on the fod troy you got anything any parting words the music's already playing so you got to fast words episode two is a lot of fun i laughed a lot during the audio edit and then i watched the video and i laughed twice as hard well, i can't uh, so wait I, to talk to you about yeah. it next week we're we're into the adventure now man it's uh, in. and now it's, it's every week forever all right take it easy everybody have a good one we'll see you next week on the the new video fod bye bye Thanks for listening to the Glass Cannon Network. For more podcasts and live streams, visit glasscannonnetwork.com. And for exclusive shows and content you can't find anywhere else, subscribe today at patreon.com slash glasscannon. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? 
Well, we dove deep into the Empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale, it's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now.